Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the heat wave. It's sweltering out there and the media just have to inform us hour on the hour. This is record-breaking extreme heat. This is your blazing dangerous future with climate change. Now we all think when there's a blizzard in midwinter we get... Of course, weather's not climate. This doesn't mean anything. This is just a blip. This isn't history in the making. Well, other than the heat, the hot issue here is the Biden scandals, at least here at Newsbusters. Yes, the scandals, the ones that journalists want to bury without acknowledging they exist. Joining the show today, video editor, research fellow, Bill D'Agostino. How's it going, Tim? Well, it's going very well today because the latest study that you did was on the cover of the New York Post. Yeah, that was really exciting. That is cool. It was good stuff. Um, um, and I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's yes, we. It was creative what you did, um, and that is, we've all watched a lot of Corinne Jean Pierre briefings, and we all have the same opinion of her talents. <laughs> I'm sorry, her what? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, carry on. And I've always been interested in whether it was Kareen or Jen Psaki, uh, how those snippets are used on the network news. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly what you get is extremely generic defenses of the administration. Yeah, I think the answer to how are they used would be sparingly. Sparingly is a good word. So yeah. I did... Six months of the PBS NewsHour in Nexus, just because I was curious, and I got, I think, eight or nine. Eight or nine clips. clips. Okay, that's, on, that's honestly more than I would have expected. But it's, they were very... It's all weak tea. Ma- right, matter of fact. Yeah. This is what the White House said, and obviously it was not being challenged by the PBS Democrat Hour. So <laughs> uh, what you did that was unique was you said, hey, well, I guess you decided early on, I can't characterize all the questions that would take forever no i tried and it, it took yeah several forevers and i realized <laughs> okay we're going to retool this now so you you said let's just do the scandal questions i think to some extent people would say well you counted 252 questions we would guess that most of those are from fox or or newsmax or something but actually most of these 250 questions were on the documents as i recall yeah, the the, the uh, classified documents. That's correct. Vast majority, I believe. Um, I don't. I don't want to misspeak. Um, I believe it was 217 uh, questions about the documents and only 35 about um, about Biden family corruption scandals. And the vast majority of those corruption scandal questions were uh, James Rosen at Newsmax, uh, Peter Ducey at Fox, Jackie Heinrich at Fox. Heinrich. Heinrich. I Heinrich, I think. I, yeah, yeah. I apologize, Jack. But, but I, yeah, um, I misspelled the name. It's got to be have a Q-U-I in it. Well, Curtis caught it. Curtis fixed me. Yes. No, your numbers are correct. So 86% of your question counter about, well, it, we're being generous to say his misplaced classified documents. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's being generous. Yeah. Um, putting them in the garage when Hunter's living with you. I don't know, misplaced is the right word? Yeah. You, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't keep food in the garage if Hunter were living yeah. with me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what you found, though, was there's 252 questions. 
And then you said, well, how many of these actually received a satisfactory or substantive answer? And your number was six. Yeah, and just, I mean, the way the way I determine that is um, you you have to look at, like, what is actually coming out of this answer, right? Has any new information been revealed? Uh, if, if she just quotes a, a press statement that was already put out by the White House press office, that office, that's not new information. If she, even if she were to read out an official statement that she was given by the press office that was not available publicly, that was only read as a result of that question, that would be new information, even if it was some canned response that the White House wanted made public. Um, but we didn't even find any of those. Uh, the, the only, it was funny actually, the only answers uh, that she did offer in those six, five of them were on the, uh, the documents, and four of those were about, well, when did you, Corrine Jean-Pierre, know this or that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she and she gave answers to those, but none of those really conveyed any information and then uh, or any meaningful information. And then one one the uh, one other question about the documents that she answered was, um, should we assume that this search for missing documents has been completed? And she says yes. And then, like hours later, news breaks that oh, they found more documents. <laughs> um, so we had we had four immaterial answers and one false answer. We should state, in terms of the history of press secretaries, and I served two years in the White House press corps, that the the press secretary is doesn't always know everything that's going on. Sometimes that's on purpose. Sometimes by design. It's yes. easier. It's easier to truthfully say I don't know than it is to lie. And um, the older members of the audience will remember Mike McCurry under Bill Clinton, who made it a point not to learn what was going on with the Monica Lewinsky scandal so that he would remain ignorant for the duration of the scandal. Yes. Uh, And that was apparently a brilliant move. This is the way the liberal media operate. Uh, But, uh, you know, we acknowledge that press secretaries in general, certainly Ari Fleischer under Bush in my time in the White House press corps, will occasionally say, let us refer you to the State Department or let us refer you to the Justice Department. Right. That's kind of a standard dismissal. Uh, but when 98% of your answers are non-substantive, you're suggesting, yes, that's if a it might be a substantive answer, but it's not a new answer, somebody would say, well, that still should count, shouldn't it? And it's like, no, because press briefings are supposed to be the reporters are trying to give get new information because it's called news. Right. If they say, how old is Biden? And she answers truthfully, that's that's not new information. Yeah. Right? So, it's, a, it's also a terrible question for a reporter to ask the press secretary. Yeah. And nobody has. So that that's good. Although you'd probably get hit with, I, I would refer you to the White House's physician or something along the lines of, I would refer you to Wikipedia. Yeah. I don't have that number in front of me, maybe. Well, I think, look, those are the questions I would suspect... And you wouldn't have counted this because they're not scandal questions, but questions about his performance or his capacities, um, which, of course, were constant questions in the Trump years. I mean, they, you know, CNN, it seemed like hour on the hour was questioning his mental stability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Stelter questioning people's mental stability on TV was was a treat. (laughs) He was just. Saying whatever Jeff Zucker told him to say, Bill. Yeah, I, I got irony poisoning watching some of those Sunday shows, <laughs> i got to be honest. 
All right. So what we can draw from this is if you are, yeah, if your job in life is to develop a Biden scandal story, um, their obvious plan at the White House is it's our job to make sure that you don't. And I think that this, I think that this tactic is something a Democrat press secretary can try to do much more so than a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if Kaylee McEnany tries it, you know, democracy is ending. Right. And if KJP does it, it's, well... It's a shrewd strategy by the White House. And you're doing it in front of a press corps that's like 96% Biden voters. Right. You're, you're surrounded by friends who all voted for your boss, if you're Corrine Jean-Pierre. So when she refuses to answer, she's basically saying, gosh, can't we do something more constructive for the Democrats from here on out? Right. Right. So were you shocked when you got to this that it was that low? Or were you just the more you went along, you're like, I'm going to be surprised. I was shocked at the sheer volume of very easy to answer, safe to answer, I would I would argue, questions that she just would not even touch. Um, for example, on the document scandal, um, I forget who it was now. I believe it was Weijia Zhang at CBS. One reporter asked her, um, are Biden and Harris going to take documents with them illegally when they leave the White House eventually? And, you know, that's, I mean, that's a gimme, right? That's T-ball. Yeah, you that's, should say, that's not of even a course pitch. not. Right, and she and she wouldn't even go there. She just says, "I, you know, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals here. I'm not going to try to predict the future. And it is also kind of common for press secretaries to say, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals because, you know, uh, remember, before they come out to brief the press, a press secretary's usually had an extended conversation about what are we going to say to the press today? Right. And what are we not going to say to the press today? And saying I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals is like, I've got enough problems defending what we've already done. Right. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it speaks to her poor judgment that she cannot break that rule occasionally. Yeah, well, in right? that one it's, in particular, you should say, well, of course they're not going to break the law. Right, right. Like there are there are times that you should say more, otherwise it looks bad, right? Because now you've just generated a headline, theoretically possible at least headline. I don't think I saw this headline anywhere, but White House cannot cannot promise that they won't break the law. Yeah, they can count on that framing not to be not to be commonplace. Yes. Um, however, Kaylee McEnany would have had to answer that hypothetical if she did not want that headline. And I, I believe a Republican press secretary would try to answer, well, of course not. Yes. Because they figure that's, in that case, that's their way of, of disarming the question and perhaps shaming the reporters for asking such a thing that would imply that Republicans have a tendency to break the law. Right. So, right. I mean, people need to always understand that when they watch the briefings is that a White House briefing under a Republican president is a is like shark infested waters, and a a White House briefing under Democrats is sort of a children's educational show on PBS. And I think that's why it it kind of strikes people so so much, at least on the conservative side, how truly bad she is at this. Right? Yeah. I mean, like she could not be in a safer environment, and you just see her floundering up there, nervously flipping through this binder stuttering like it's 
I, you, you and I, all of us here at, at Newsbusters have seen, we're familiar with Corinne Jean-Pierre before she became the press secretary. Right. And that it feels like some distant before time now when I conceived of her at least completely differently. I thought of her as this fairly well-spoken, very angry, race-obsessed commentator who would appear on MSNBC shows and occasionally make outlandish statements. But it was all it was all fairly polished, and we're now apparently seeing fairly well rehearsed and canned because this woman trying to think on her feet is like watching a, a train crash in slow motion. In other words, she was sort of like a Joy Reid person. A yeah, Joy- she was a she was a Joy Reid guest. She was an Al Sharpton guest. You know that yeah, that kind of we're getting the race gang together to talk about race for two hours. Uh, I I think there is, we should say, being press secretary is not easy in that you really don't know what question you're going to get. But again, it is more boring um, for Democrats. But you do have to try to to figure out, you never know what somebody's going to ask. And and that's why sometimes you end up with that, go to the State Department, because that's the best you could do. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this is uh, one of the press briefings that's more memorable because it is more current. Was on June twenty third. I was uh, I was on a boat, but uh, this was the surprising one where I loved this one. I was in Connecticut actually visiting family. The uh, Jeremy Diamond of CNN, Weijia Zhang of CBS, Peter Baker of the New York Times were all asking about various. Hunter Biden things and yeah, all getting the, uh, the IRS whistleblower, right? Yeah, and or the WhatsApp, right? Right, yeah, the WhatsApp text where Hunter Biden was like, "I've got my dad right here with you, with me, you Chinese people." Yeah, you better do what I want. I'm gonna threaten to. Yeah, like he he wrote that like an anime villain too. It was so. <laughs> It was so cringe the way like I you you don't want to find out how I hold grudges. It's like, all right, calm down, buddy. That's probably what they were thinking on the other end. But I'm the, sure. Yeah. But uh, this one actually drew. Brent Bozell says, don't call the mainstream reporters um, asking Biden scandal questions. And they all got nothing in response. And the but before that. Uh, John Kirby, the National Security Council spokesman, actually walked out when James Rosen of Newsmax was trying to ask about Hunter. Like he first, he said, "I'm not answering that question." He then, re- yeah, he James James did a sick play too. He read he read the entire text out loud and then had him comment. And Kirby just yeah, he panicked. Well, this is this should have been the snippet that was on the news that night, right? It's yeah, that's a remarkable event. It I, is a physical. Uh, on video demonstration of how willing the Biden communication staff is to answer questions. He fled. He fled reporters. That is truly what happened. No, we remember Kaylee McEnany or something would stop a briefing. They'd all scream at her at the end. And of course, we remember also she would have a briefing book and they made fun of her for having a briefing book. Also, at at one point uh, later in that briefing, one of the reporters, I forget who it was, but straight up said, oh, I feel bad for chasing Kirby out of the room. (laughs) Don't feel bad. Then there's this one. I also like this one. This is outside your study's purview, but from the July 
fifth press conference this week. Although we have we have begun making an update to it, but yes. Yes, update in a second. I just wanted to, I love this particular example. Catherine Lucy of the Wall Street Journal, also a, the news pages, still mm-hmm. a liberal to moderate news organization, not like the editorial pages. But she says there was a story in the New York Times over the weekend about Hunter Biden's daughter in Arkansas. Doesn't name her or say she's four. Or he guess she says, look, does the president acknowledge this little girl as his granddaughter? John Pierre, I don't have anything to share. <laughs> Which is very cold. Can you can you feel the decency, Tim? <laughs> Decency's been restored. Let's, yeah, oh God. It's so nice to have decency back. Not in the to White mention House, guys. the point you were making. Which is they all said transparency and truth comes back to the government. Here's transparency. Now, you one could argue that it was a dumb question and that it had been quite obvious that for four years now, Biden's been denying this girl exists. Yeah, the stockings uh, over the fireplace, six stockings for grandkids, not seven. That photo, that, that didn't tip you off. Dr. Jill Biden conveniently forgetting the prostitute's daughter. The stripper's daughter. Oh, excuse me. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair distinction. I apologize. Yeah, but I it, apologize to the mother. It is. Um, but the New York Times did do a story on the front page. And one of the things that was funny about that story, Bill, was they didn't really explain. Yeah. That she was. The word stripper was not used. It was basically like London Roberts was working in Washington and met him at a strip club. Right. You know, and it's like, what were they doing there? Well, they were. Yeah, both, why they were, were they both there? They were both discussing finance. <laughs> it's just, but what Catherine Lucy's doing there is saying the New York Times has has made this fair game by deciding to notice it exists. Yes, and and I would encourage people to try to pay attention to how often that is the case, right? I mean, like going back as to the Hunter laptop. Thing. Yeah. They, when the Times kind of uncomfortably admitted that something like 307 paragraphs into an article that like, yes, the laptop has been verified. Well, to be precise, Bill, it was on page A20, paragraph 20. Oh, paragraph 20. <laughs> I, I apologize. Apologies to the New York Times. I never forget little stupid things like that. Oh, that's a great stat. Uh, yeah, apologies to the New York Times. I have, I have smeared your good name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, so they like buried shortly, it. I mean, shortly they... after that, then the Post writes something about it, and the news start uncomfortably admitting, like, okay, yeah, so that like laptop's kind of real, and it this is the New York Times kind of has this power of getting to decide what the media are allowed to cover. If they cover it, it's fair game. Well, and the laptop was fake until 2022, when well, the New York Times decided it was real. Until it was threatening Biden's election chances against I mean, Donald Trump. Yeah, right. putting that story in A20, paragraph 20, it's sort of like, you know, Corrine answered your question just because she was two miles away from the briefing room doesn't mean she didn't answer it. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, sort, that's of good the, analogy. sort of the version of this. Now, when I went to, the, um, to my own little study of the PBS NewsHour, to see what happened is that uh, co-host Jeff Bennett raised Biden's classified document scandal and played Jean-Pierre saying the American people heard from the president directly on this when he was asked by your colleagues at least twice now, how dare they, about how he sees this process. And he was very clear with the response of what we're currently seeing. And he says, I take this very 
seriously, he said, I didn't know that the documents were there. Oh, man. This has all the greatest hits in it. And then Bennett, on the show, Bennett then follows up the clip with, the president has said that he did nothing wrong, and that in his words, (laughs) there is no there there. That's all the full White House publicity. Yeah, subtext. So stop talking about it, everybody. Yeah, no, that uh, that answer, that I love that answer. We've got the president has been very clear in there. Mm. We've got we take this very seriously. We've got I would refer you to someone else. It's uh, that's that is vintage Kareem Jean-Pierre. Now, was this a, form. was this a bill video or somebody else's video of her saying very clear like 27 times? Yeah, that was me. That was <laughs> that one was mine. That, God, that was a fun one to make. <laughs> I wanted to, I was hoping that was you, I I was thinking. But yes, it's always funny when they have that. Well, it's especially funny coming from her because she's not very clear. No, exactly. But they did this way back in my youth that the the impression of Richard Nixon was, let me be perfectly clear, was something that he said enough that Rich Little or whoever was impersonating Nixon would use the phrase. Um, This is a version of that. But... It's funny to me that they would actually run the denial, but they ran it like it wasn't lame. That, that's right. They ran it. Yeah, they ran it as like here's here's Corinne Jean Pierre putting to rest this ridiculous issue that reporters deigned to ask her about. Not once, but twice. Twice they wasted White House briefing time on this. <laughs> well, and very all, good, Jeff. Bennett. And also. To say, I mean, look, it strains credulity for any skeptical White House reporter that you were a member of the U.S. Senate when he walked away with the documents in question. He was not vice president. Yes. And they, you know, apparently they were removed from a a secure facility, a skiff, and taken and put in your garage. I mean, the, the whole idea that you don't know. Right. It's not a defense, really. How do you accidentally walk out of a skiff with documents and then forget? I'm, I, no, I'm sorry. That's right. And so, yes, reporters should be like, uh, I don't believe that, basically. And, you know, the whole problem with this, I mean, it is interesting that there were this many questions on the classified documents. Um, but obviously the impression there was, well, we can't exactly say Trump has to go to jail for this. When Biden's also done this. And right. And what they were looking for was some kind of new information or assurance, something that would permit them to draw their distinction between why Trump needs to go to jail forever after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago and why Biden did nothing wrong. And they were not getting that from Corrine Jean-Pierre. And they grew agitated and uh, frankly held her feet to the fire a little bit. And boy, did she dance. Yeah, I think that. There are certain times when their self-respect bubbles up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's not it's not common. I the other moment that is quite obvious where they got contentious uh, was the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Correct. Uh, different press secretary, I think that was Saki. Yes, although there was a briefing um, where the the report on like the the findings of the uh, of. How, how do I put this? I guess there was there was an investigation into the whole pullout process, and that that report came out while Jean Pierre was press secretary. Uh, it came out this year, I believe. So and I, there I, there was actually a contentious briefing about that. I did not include that as a Biden scandal in right. the study because that was more an administration flub. Right. Um, but if you're going to include a specific policy decision 
uh, because you feel you feel personally that it was handled poorly or done wrong, then you're getting really into subjective territory as to what qualifies as a scandal, right? Yeah, if, right. If, if there were proof of illegality going on during the Afghanistan withdrawal, it would have counted, but... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, you can look back at Bush Cheney and you would say, if you looked at all the press coverage, you could try to argue that the greatest scandal of the Bush Cheney years was simply the war in Iraq because most of their outrage was focused on one element or another of the war in Iraq, whether it's the the Abu Ghraib thing or this or that or the other thing, the waterboarding, the uh, yeah. they all sort of follow from each other. Unless you're Nicholas Kristof, who would argue that it was Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> well, okay. And, but in both cases, they're, yeah, they're government policies, which is Right, not, that you disagree with, exactly. It, it, as opposed to, now, if you manipulate government policy for your personal gain, now we're back in Biden scandal territory. Correct. Uh, so what was the update? Because we talked about how we were going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, the, we, we added a new scandal, guys, uh, which you may have heard about. Yeah. Um, some cocaine was found in the West Wing of the White House— uh, on I believe on the Fourth of July, right? It is. It is certainly new. Yeah. Um. So that's news. Um. There was. There has been one press briefing since June thirtieth when the study conclude or that the study uh ended on June thirtieth. But this briefing, uh, July fifth, had twenty two questions about about Biden scandals, all about the cocaine. Um. And there was one answer actually that that we counted. Uh, it was a bit of a gimme. It was how how uh, determined is the president to actually get to the bottom of this? And first she demurred. Uh, then the question was asked again, both times by Jackie Heinrich at uh, at at Fox News. And then Karine Jean Pierre said the president takes this very seriously. Uh, we did count that as an affirmative answer because technically she is revealing new information about how determined the president is. Uh, do you believe that? I don't know. I kind of don't, but it's an answer. It seems from reading between the lines that they want to get past it. Yeah. But apparently it sounds like what they're going to find they don't like. You know, just the way that they couldn't seem to line up where did they find the cocaine, which shifted several times. I mean, the latest, the latest information on where it was found, because initially— there was a White House like official statement that it was found somewhere that gets a lot of traffic from visitors, uh, visitors to the West Wing, uh, which not anybody can just walk into the West Wing, right? right? Like if, if, if you just sign up for a White House tour and you don't know what you're doing, uh, you're going to get taken to the East Wing and not get to see any of the cool stuff, right? So the, the West Wing tours are themselves kind of tough to get into. Right. But um, it, w- it, has later been, it was later revealed that the, the baggie was actually found somewhere kind of restricted mm-hmm. where general foot traffic is not going to be like people on tours are not going to be in this place and so that then kind of narrows the scope of potential offenders here uh and i mean if you want to be mathematical about it the percentage likelihood that it was for example hunter biden's uh increases with that revelation because he he was in the White House over the weekend. I mean, and, and and I guess some people are asking if he's living there. Uh, but I think that there was um, 
it was a yeah, it was a very shifting story. So look, and, and is I'm, the news media all guilty of misinformation because it kept shifting? Right, and I, I know I know conspiracy theory or whatever, but like, can we really can we really not just put two and two together here that the president's recovering crack addict son is is a likely is in, suspect is in the White House, and then a bag of cocaine is found in a very restricted area of the White House. I mean, is this is this complicated for anyone? I think the complication, Bill, is that. The current plea deal for Hunter Biden on the gun charge would require him to be clean. Oh, that is a complication. One I think, that I hadn't considered. I actually. think that's what's I think that's what's going on. Ooh. But I I think that the um uh, we all understand that if they found cocaine in the White House under Trump, it would have led the news. We they have done stories, but it's actually trailed off quite a bit now where it's like uh, on Thursday night, it was only on NBC for 40 seconds, and the other two right. dropped off of it. Is is that if this was a Trump scandal, it would be 10 or 20 times as interesting to these people. Oh, I mean, Saturday Night Live would do multiple skits of Trump doing cocaine. You know, <laughs> like that, that would happen immediately. And of course, those circulate on social media, and nobody says they need to be restricted because they leave a false impression. Comedy can be misinforming, apparently. Well, I, I would I would say that those skits shouldn't be restricted. Um, the issue is that they would have only restricted one side of the, of the skits. I find uh, um, Joe Wolfson at Fox News, just as an aside, did a did like a study of Saturday Night Live comedy and oh, did he found they were still doing way more Trump skits. They were busier with Trump mockery than Biden mockery, which again reflects the way the liberals are is that you're gonna generally find more trump news than biden news saturday night live if it still exists in in 2200 is still going to be doing trump skits they're gonna have a hologram (laughs) of alec baldwin (laughs) well the new guy is a way better trump than alec baldwin could ever hope to be uh it's a low bar but good for him yes all right a couple of other couple of other items that draw drew my attention as we head into the weekend the uh, front page of the new york times today they seem to have caught eric adams the mayor of new york in a in a boo-boo uh is this the coffee photo yeah yeah this is a good one yes where he said uh talking about police officers who've been lost uh his friend offer officer robert venable died and he said i think I still think about Robert, Mr. Adams said at a news conference at City Hall. I keep a picture of Robert in my wallet. Then the New York Times requested to see it. Yeah, I mean, come on, Eric. That's that's you don't make falsifiable statements like that if you're lying, right? Like the obvious follow up to that is you got your wallet on you. And then, yes, what the New York Times discovered was the weathered photo of Officer Venable had not actually spent decades in the mayor's wallet. It had been created by employees in the mayor's office in the days after Adams claimed it was in his wallet. Employees were instructed to create a photo of Officer Venable, and then, yes, they, they, they dashed coffee on it. To make it look weathered, yeah. Uh, but here's my, here's my problem, Bill. Front page of the New York Times, their headline on this story where it's, Aha, gotcha, caught you in a lie. Their headline, Treasured Photograph or Prop. Made to match Mayor's story? Question mark. Right, a question that is then answered rather definitively in the article itself. It's, it's almost like you could have made the answer to that question the headline. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, 
why would you soft pedal it? You had a big scoop. You know, it's not like they're going to get a big scoop against a Republican and say, did they torture people at Abu Ghraib? You know, or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. DOJ politicization or justified raid on Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Classic New York headlines time. <laughs> we all remember that one, right? Uh, so that was, you know, good for the New York Times for actually getting the Democrat mayor and saying, you, you made up something here, but but they had to soft pedal it, and now that reeks of some front page editor going, "Okay, I'm going to let the story go on the front page, but let's really make the headlines wimpy." We got we got to tweak that. Yeah, no, that's that's a little strong. You don't want to come on that strong in the headline. Let's tweak it so it's kind of inaccurate. Right. Uh, then the other story, if you haven't heard this outside the Beltway, uh, the uh, uh, a military interpreter from Afghanistan who managed to escape the Taliban and sought refuge in the U.S., um, working as a Lyft driver to support his family here in the District of Columbia, ended up being murdered. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't shot in Afghanistan helping out the Americans, um, but he was shot in northeast D.C. in one of the bad neighborhoods north of Capitol Hill. Was it a passenger? He was a driver for Lyft. Right, but was Oh, was, no, no. Yeah. The shot, he was shot in the abdomen from from outside the car. Mm. But the the irony of all this, of course, is that he had been robbed at gunpoint in Philadelphia, so he moved down here. Good Lord. Uh, and so uh, this was in the metro section of the Washington Post on the front page, not on the front page, front page in Friday's edition. And the headline was, 10 killings in five days in D.C. leave an international trail of grief. So yes, 10 killings in five days, that's... That's almost going back to the old days under Marion Barry, where we called D.C. the murder capital. And you're just you're never going to get the kind of action that you want on this, because whenever the details of the story are at all inconvenient, it just becomes a story about gun crime for the left wing media. Right. Yeah. it, It can never be that this is a crime ridden city run by a, a Democrat administration since time immemorial. It has to always be, oh, well, you know, this is why we need to ban guns. It's like, okay, have you considered banning murder? Right. Then maybe then we'd have less murder, right? And so the, um, yes, the Post story says, no place in D.C. has seemed immune from deadly gun fire in recent days. City leaders still without a permanent police chief mm. for a department facing historically low staffing. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, so um, when you when you bash the police to the extent that nobody wants to be a policeman, yeah, uh, this is actually a, a, a story that's happening across the country in many large cities. But those many large cities are run by Democrats, of course. So when you harp on it, it's either racist or politically exploitative. Uh, but. Um, that, to me, is an especially sad story, and the national news really ought to pick up on this, but again, maybe they're saying, this is putting together murder in Democrat cities combined with Biden's botched rollout from Afghanistan. Yeah, we really don't want to remind anybody watching of the, uh, of the Afghanistan thing, so we're, we're not going to run that story. So is there anything else, Bill, we, we are, we're plotting and planning to study? Mm. Well, um... There was there was something that you brought up earlier, not that we're doing a study on, but at the very beginning, um, talking about climate change and record heat that mm. I just wanted to highlight for people. Uh, CNN has come out, it came out with the dumbest headline I've ever seen 
talking about the hottest day ever happening this past week. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you click on the article, and it's it's based on a data set that goes back to 1979. <laughs> so, so the headline here is, CNN adopts young earth creationism <laughs> in service of climate agenda. Um, for, for, for people keeping track... Uh, the Earth is actually older than 1979. I believe your host, Tim Graham, was actually born before yes. ever in CNN's definition of ever. Yes. Um, yeah. And the, the I was in high school in 1979. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you got into high school before ever. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. And the, the global average temperature has been above 90 degrees multiple times uh, since life on Earth began. And it is well below the historic mean currently. Um, so if you want to talk about ever in your headline, maybe you should go to climate.gov and actually look at what ever means and what the temperature has been. But, uh, you know, justice was kind of served in this case. They got community noted pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a fun one, at least. Well, and I think usually when they're talking about temperature data, it goes back 130 or 140 years. And so... They always need to kind of put that asterisk on things and mm -hmm. say um, it's the highest recorded temperature. Yes, and they they released a new headline that used that used that language, the highest re temperature ever recorded, um, which is just it's it's just a mealy mouthed way of getting away with a half truth. But okay, what uh, you do, you see. Well, it's sort of the thing that when Trump would say it was the lowest black unemployment ever, and they would say the Labor Department didn't start you know, tabulating unemployment data by race until 1976 or something. Therefore, we don't know. Right. So he can't that, say it. The issue is that we actually have ice core data that shows historic temperatures over, over the millennia. So um, CNN definitely can't say it. Well, and they, we all understand that when it comes to climate, you know, they get to, to make wild claims and they don't really allow the skeptics to speak because they're all misinformers by... By definition, yeah, no. Even even questioning it at this point is is kind of out of bounds. Like even even making it known that you have any sort of issue with whatever predictive model that they're using that got proven wrong for the millionth time is is out of bounds for them. So sometimes the climate could be like the Wuhan lab leak theory. You know, later it's like, oh, we said this was misinformation, and now what do we do? Yeah. Uh, so if you want to keep up with all of the things we're trying to keep track. Uh, of in the news that is why you come to newsbusters once twice 24 times a day thanks for listening